Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITK Media. You've tuned into our podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in pre-series A stage. And today we have uh, Pavel Lipinski, the co-founder of Toki.ai, an AI-powered virtual agent and a voice, um, a voice bot, as a matter of fact. Hello, Pavel. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Uh, or should I say, uh, Pavel. Exactly. Um, let's start with a small warm-up kind of question. Um, how strongly do you agree with Elon Musk, who warns the humanity about the dangers um, of uh, AI evolution, which is imminent, we know now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm not sure if we mean exactly the same. I mean, me and Elon Musk, if we mean exactly the same by warning the uh, humanity um, that AI might not be only positive. As any technology, as any powerful technology, it might be extremely impactful uh, on many different areas of our life. It will absolutely, certainly make our lives easier. It already is making our lives easier. There are obviously the uh, negative aspects of letting the technology go astray. Um, and, and obviously AI, like many other technologies needs some regulation, uh, need, need some regulation. European Union is starting to do something about this. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the regulators will, will regulate, regulate, but not over-regulate the, uh, the area to make it better for, for all of us. I have to kick in. When you say European regulations and over-regulation, they are, are very often synonyms. So let's be careful about uh, trying to put them in ju juxtaposition. They're very much uh, overshadowing each other. So interesting, you touched upon regulation yourself being what an aspiring, let's say, leader in the, uh, in the AI-driven tech space. Interesting. Not many people are ready to, like, you know, to, to, to invoke such topics by themselves. Then, as far as as far as regulation of AI, you, you know, the like uh, Karl Chapek's uh, laws of uh, robotics, right? Uh, for for robots, do you think there has to be self-imposed code of rules or laws, let's say, uh, by AI technology, or will you rather prefer the regulator to regulate you externally? Like, what's, what's the best approach? And, and, in, and in any case, what would be the key two, three, let's say, principles or, you know, tenets for AI technology that you would like to adhere to? I know this is like a loaded question, but let's try to unfold it. Yes, this is, it's a very loaded one uh, and a very general one. We could probably spend like the next four hours discussing this. Um, and you have two minutes and you have two minutes. And I've got, just to make exactly, it. I've got two minutes. So I would say regulation in terms of code, probably not necessarily a, uh, a great idea there might be um, implementations that could be right. There might be implementations where that wouldn't make any sense or little sense. Uh, that could impact the quality of the algorithms very much. I would rather prefer to have very well-defined rules like the rules that we have when we drive cars on the street, on streets, we prefer to have rules that tell us, okay, go slow here, you can go faster there and not everybody is that fond of your car manufacturer to limit the, uh, the speed of the car for you. 
even though it is a trend, it is a trend right now. Um, I believe that regulating in terms of, especially regulating professional um, professional makes sense on the on the legal level and that should be sufficient uh this is the way it works with gdpr uh and it should work probably in a similar manner uh with with ai i guess yeah okay so nice um now being warmed up let's move on to scenario uh, get back to scenario basically start with the route one this solution your kind of uh, home zone let's say so as a quick intro how would you introduce the product the solution that you're working on so Talki is a one-stop shop for automation of customer service voice processes. With Talki, customer service teams can build, train, uh, test, monitor, run um, voice bots or, or AI-based virtual assistants that act in, in a similar manner as people who do the job of being um, of being uh, connect center agents, and uh, and Taki enabled connect service uh, customer service teams to be able to maintain those solutions themselves without the necessity of using specialized technical staff or or neither technical in terms of software developers nor technical in terms of data science scientists or, or machine learning scientists. Yeah, and so what makes it this a, a crazy mix, I would say, is what AI, one, of course, like AI driven and ML machine learning uh, should be like an uh, integral part of this as well. And then you made a bet on voice bots, right? So that's, that's another, another kind of dimension. So you need uh, what, a naturally sounding voice, different languages, accents um and and so on and so on like what what else am, am i missing here what else you need as a part so of the not necessarily stuff? not not necessarily all the different languages and all the different accents voice bots work in a number of different ways some of them use synthesized voices for some applications these voices can be of more generic classical type for other applications they need to be more natural sounding uh for many uh, applications. What we use is a pre-recorded um, recordings of, of yeah, exactly uh, templates that are being used for for the expressions that the bot is using. This is obviously limiting the uh, the freedom of what the bot might do if you are only uh, using the um, the recordings. But still, there's plenty of things that we, you can do uh, this way. So not necessarily uh, you know all the different accents might. Um, yeah, what I mentioned, accents, definitely it's like in the English, English speaking world. Um, I really think um, London, Bay, like UK English is a little bit different from Australian English and from American twang and so on and so on. And you would need to adapt to those uh, different accents. Uh, that's what I had. Yeah, so, so these are two different things. One is understanding, the other one is the way the, the bot pronounces speaks right so um so on the on the comprehension understanding side there's obviously need to, there obviously needs to be uh you know the the underlying model needs to be trained for different accents to be able to understand you know mississippi person as well as you know london cockney 
you know, I'm probably exaggerating. These these are probably real. It's probably not that right easy. Now. But 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 still, you know, at least the uh, vast majority of accents can be uh, can be safely uh, used even for English. Although English is pretty hard from that perspective. Yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. So, look, uh, getting back to the beginning, so to say, like, why did you decide this is a big enough issue or there is big enough pain point that you can resolve? Like, what, what made you think so? So, I guess this is pretty simple. Uh, if you think of all the people that sit in Connex centers, uh, these are hundreds of thousands or millions of people uh, and you know, all around the globe, these are probably tens of millions of people. Uh, it is a huge market. And a lot of that work is extremely repeating. It's extremely yeah. routine. There's oftentimes very little uh, creativity or, or empathy. See, there are processes where we will always need to rely on, on people, on their creativity and empathy. But for a lot of processes, uh, appointment management, like uh, qualification of, of, of people for some processes like lead generation qualification, uh, for simple uh, verifications of statuses or notifications whenever anything happens, People are not scalable. So like imagine we currently in Poland have these um, thunderstorms, you know, almost every day right now in the evenings. So with, with really heavy, heavy rain. Now imagine how many people who are flooded or their roof leaks, you know, they are trying to call insurance companies and they are not able to get through. They are not yeah. being, they are not able to get served. Their house might be flooded and they don't know what to do with it. Is the insurance company going to support them anyhow? But they can't reach them. So in situations like this, and, and it's not the fault of the people in a contact center, neither the fault of the insurance company. It is just a big, imminently, just a big, yeah, yeah. exactly, not, not scalable problem. And, uh, and problems like this are very easily solved by, by, by automation, by voice bots, because Typically, voice bots with a good technology like Talkie, we don't really have any limits in terms of scalability. I mean, there obviously are limits if we had, you know, the whole Europe calling one number that probably would be a little too much. Uh, but we can easily serve thousands of, uh, of simultaneous calls without sacrificing the, uh, the performance. And uh, likewise, with any with with a lot of other processes, we, for example, we do uh, public opinion polls, typically doing a public opinion pulse on a large enough sample takes days, sometimes even longer. And uh, with a voice bot, the same thing is possible to be achieved within typically a couple of hours. So, so even from the perspective of the quality of the data that you're getting, um, how responsive the data is, uh, you know, it's just a better quality uh, solution than, than, than traditional approach. Um, just to make sure for the audience as well. So your voice bots are trained to choose from their um, from their vocabulary this phrase or this phrase, or they can adapt and synthesize 
synthesize uh, contextual answers by, by, their, them, by their own, on their own, I mean. Or do they just choose one of the pre-recorded phrases uh, relevant for this context? So this is, this is a pretty complex question. It's more of a question of what businesses want much more than what is possible with the technology. The technology enables bots to be generating the answers and then synthesizing them into, into voice. So this is totally doable from the technological by perspective. You. Yes. By you as well. Okay, okay. Yes. What is typically, but this is typically not what businesses expect. Businesses expect, and, and actually this is why I believe this is a great uh, area to be in right now, because a lot of businesses have been using bots for many years now. They have just botized their employees to just follow their scripts when, when you know, taking the calls. Yeah. In a lot of different industries, um, the agents are just not allowed to, you know, move away too far from the script because these are strictly regulated industries like healthcare, right? So, so they just read the scripts as they go. They memorize those scripts to remember what to answer on, in different circumstances. This is exactly what most businesses expect from bots. They want to have complete control over what will say, how it will say it. So will the, the tone of the expression match the, the, the brand voice, uh, right? So, so in most cases, I would say almost in all cases, what we are working with are our scripts, our templates that we just use. We might have different versions of the same uh, expressions. So obviously, you start the conversation with I or hello. Um, at the end, you know, you know, there there might be different variations, but as a, as a general rule, what our clients want is a strict control control over what the bot will be saying. So interesting, like a, a somebody like an outsider like myself, let's say, uh, not involved every day like in this uh, type of uh, tech and so on. The idea would be too far fetched about the business needs and. Actual business needs are much more mundane and like here and now, basically. And you don't need to create a like rocket science kind of uh, for, to, to, to implement. And there's still huge potential for you to grow and develop and understand within uh, this like first layer of, uh, of voice bots rather than completely free flow conversations, which are not needed and moreover, which have to be avoided sometimes. Okay, interesting, e interesting. Exactly. Exactly. And moreover, this allows you to mitigate the risks as well in those regulated situations, right? Uh, if you allow AI to, to, go, to, to get the free flow, basically, and like flow of consciousness, of AI consciousness, should we say, then you are running the risk as well. Yes, exactly. And uh, so we also need to understand, I, I guess our, our listeners need to understand that there are two ki kinds of bots. One is this kind of general bot, chat bot, that you can talk about almost anything about. And that's a completely different problem than those goal-oriented transactional bots that we create or our clients create using our technology for businesses. GPT-3 is a great, OpenAI's GPT-3 is a great example of a general application, general bot that you can talk more or less about anything uh, with. And, um, and it's probably fine for, for many different applications, but not that one. What we wanna do is lead 
our clients through a very well-defined process, oftentimes through very well-defined steps. I gave the example of a uh, public opinion poll. Public opinion polls are basically surveys where you go through questions, you read the possible answers and just collect the data from, um, from, your, from your respondents. Uh, but it might be like one of the bots that, 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 that is our reference client, Jean-Louis David's uh, largest hairdresser chain in, in Europe um, line. Uh, we do primary thing that our bot does for them is, uh, is appointment management. And appointment management is also a pretty well-defined process. You first need to ask about what service the person is interested in, then what salon the person's interested in, then the time slot, so the date and time. And, uh, and obviously, you know, we, we, we can gather all this information in one sentence, but if people are giving us answers one by one, we can narrow down uh, you know, to the salons that support a different, a, a certain service or time slots where that service is, um, is available. So, so what we really wanna do in situations like this is just follow a pretty well-defined, strictly defined process. So there's very little uh, room for creativity. There is room for creativity, obviously in terms of expressions. And this is obviously something that as the technology matures, uh, will change over time. I believe once businesses get more uh, used to voice bots and clients get more used to voice bots, they will start expecting more. Like you remember uh, web interfaces uh, in the late 90s or beginning 2000, right? We didn't expect much from them. It was just a form and everybody was happy with a form or a simple list. Uh, with the uh, web interfaces that we have right now, internet websites that we have right now, you know, we're not having simple forms and simple lists anymore. We have much richer experience. And, and this, is, this is where we are right now with voice bots or, or in general bot technology. We are probably, you know, at the beginning of the internet era, uh, if, if, if I can make that comparison. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like the, 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 the voice bot language and kind of voice bot toolbox is just starting to, to, to develop. Pavel, uh, let's, let's switch then to the business side. Um, what are the key two, three verticals that you are trying to attack right now? Let's say globally, okay? Um, and then your business model as well. Like what's the pricing model and uh, how successful you are now earning, basically, not burning. Sure. Um, so... Talkie as a platform is more of a than a solution that fits a specific, only specific industries, for example, right? So like CRM can be used for more or less any kind of business. Similarly, voice bots or Talkie can be used in any kind of business that has direct contact with, uh, with clients. Uh, but still there are businesses that are more served by through the telephony channel or voice channel because it doesn't need to be telephony only. Uh, and these are industries like healthcare, like insurance, financial um, services, it is telecommunications, it is logistics. So uh, all these brands were, we typically 
tend to use phone more than uh, applications or or, um, or or websites. Yeah. Okay. Pricing model and what are your recent or overall successes in on the sales side? I mean, on the implementation and uh, clients that you have already uh, sure. satisfied um, or delighted, as you say. Uh, on the on on the business model side, we currently support two main models. One is a typical pay-as-you-go model. So basically whatever you or your users, your, your clients are going to use in terms of time of the usage of the platform, of the conversations with a bot, uh, we basically charge a minute fee, per minute fee. Uh, and this is great for businesses that have very uneven traffic, like, for we were talking about insurance or short campaigns where they just want to like public opinion polls. They just need to have a campaign going for a couple of days and that's it. Uh, and so in those situations, this is a very comfortable model. Uh, and the again, other no, model, no you, sorry, no, no subscription fee, no uh, integration implementation kind of um, consultancy fees, you know, nothing of that. Con type. Consultancy fees are, are a separate story. Consultancy ah, okay, fees okay. are whenever our, whenever we do professional services. So whenever our team, we have a team of conversational designers yeah. and they build voice bots for our enterprise clients. So whenever our clients prefer us to build the solutions for them. We are, we are obviously open to this. And then this is just a consultancy fee uh, or a setup fee. Uh, in, and, and this is typically, this is how it typically starts with clients. We typically start by implementing the first process or first couple of processes for them. And then we start involving their staff, their um, professionals to start working with a platform so that they can take it over and maintain long-term, maintain those solutions themselves. Um, this, is, this is very important because typically customer service teams, they don't want to kind of lose control over what's really going on there. They want to be able to experiment with different phrases or expressions or flows of conversations. So they need to be able to do it themselves. Uh, the second model that we have is, is a lump sum, monthly lump sum. Uh, which is proportional to the number of simultaneous calls that our platform can perform for a given client. So imagine you are an insurance company and you have, I don't know, 100 agents, live agents, uh, and you want to be able to uh, move 10% of your traffic to voice bots. Uh, then, then you probably need around 10 a replacement or, or, or something that's equal to 10 um, live consultants. Uh, and then we would just charge you for 10 virtual con consultants, uh, a, a, a flat monthly fee. Yeah, okay. And what about the actual actual uh, price tag or PPU model and this lump sum? Uh, I mean, if you can give you a range, I understand this might uh, differ from region to region, from country to country, but anyways. We're trying to, yes, we're trying to keep it at the level of one third of a cost of a person, of a live person. So, uh, so whatever the region is, we would try to keep it 
more or less within the uh, this range. Obviously, depending on the volume, obviously, uh, uh, depending sometimes some clients want to have, for example, a blended model, they are fine paying a flat fee for those two virtual agents, but they still want to be able to support whenever there's peak hours, right? So to, to be able to support all the clients. So when you go to another market to just benchmark against the call center or, or, or contact contact kind of uh, uh, support support function, basic salary, benchmark salary, and so on, and just just come to your clients and say you might change a little bit, saying that it's we we provide seventy percent uh, savings on your current generalized benchmark. This is uh, this of, is obviously uh, this is obviously much more complex to, to, yeah. to calculate because people don't work 24 by 7. They work probably like eight hours a day. And then they're really active. The statistics say that a, an, a typical Connex Center agent is really active talking on the phone for between 35 and 40 minutes per hour. So if you take all <laughs> of these into account that you know it's it's it it can it can really easily be at the level of seventy percent of uh, of cost cutting. Yeah, yeah, but and usually AI has not yet uh, learned how to be moody or change moods and so on, which is another uh, advantage, of course. Yeah. And as far as, far as your um, bottom line by now, can you share something like, like your current MRR or the trend that you want to reach? So, about? so this is. The, the, this is not a typical MRR business. This is not a subscription-based business. So MRR is probably not a good, um, a, not a good um, indicator uh, because it might change. It, it really changes from month to month. But it, as a trend, it's con it's it's constantly growing. It's important to say that we have had our first investment round in July last year. So it was end of July. Uh, so we're, we have realistically starting scaling, you know, fall last year. Uh, from that point, our revenue has grown H1, first half of 2021 versus first half of 2020 by 7.1 times. So, so we're at the point of very aggressive growth uh and and basically every month is different uh but we are right now getting close to uh 50k euro a month yes so this is what i was uh, driving it of course and again you might say not seven times but 700 percent growth year on year uh in revenue i understand with low basic basis uh low initial basis it's easy and of course i wish you all the best you know to even increase this tempo five of thanks let's move on to next round and next round is compete Competition. You cannot say now that AI kind of AI driven tech space is uh, a lonely spot uh, globally. Huge, huge competition. It seems like entry barrier barrier of entry is uh, getting low and low. And you mentioned GPT three, which just spawned you know thousands of businesses. And by the way, do you have access to GPT three? Have you applied or have you got? Yes, we do. Yes. Wow. C congrats. And now tell me how. How are you going to like win this competitive race? Of course, there are so many, so much space yet to divide, you know, and conquer. But anyways, what's your idea and about your competitive space? Who's the biggest competitor? Who you look up to and uh, who you like learn from? Um, how do you plan to beat them or outrun, out AI them? 
Yeah, out AI then. Uh, so even though AI as a trend is obviously growing and uh, I would say, we can safely say we're just starting uh, in terms of even coming up with ideas for applications for AI. So uh, even though obviously there are thousands of, of AI startups from many different industries, I wouldn't necessarily say that our uh, our domain is very competitive at this point. There are areas that are com competitive and uh, areas in terms of geography. Uh, in Poland, we kept, we happen to have quite a few uh, voice bot uh, vendors, uh, but it's not the same way all over the world. I would say Poland somehow is 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 pretty dense with uh, with those solutions. Um, um, and uh, how do we match against competition, or how we want to be better? Uh, what what we have found very successful as a strategy for us has been to really listen to the clients, to really try to understand how they want to work with the tool, what their pain points really are and not come up with solutions to, the pay, to their pain points without really understanding what they are. And I believe what we found uh, with at least some of the competing solutions is that apparently they're trying to still be uh, software development first, software developers friendly and not customer service teams friendly. So this is, I would say, number one differentiator. We build the technology for customer service teams so that people who right now have the headphones on their ears and spend their days uh, talking to other people, at least a part of them will turn into bot trainers and will spend time monitoring and improving the quality of, of, of bot solutions. Uh, to give them more creative uh, job and to give them uh, something that's certainly less repeating. Repeating jobs are not really good for people and, and they're not really good for, uh, for businesses because the turnover is very high. So, so what we do is we really listen to our clients and we work very closely to our clients. So we, we're lucky to say the clients that we work with, they they're giving us a lot of feedback that we're trying to then implement in, in the tooling. And, uh, and apparently this makes uh, the product better. The other thing that we, that we do is we basically eat our own dog food. Uh, our um, voicebot designers use the tools, use our tooling every day to build the client solutions. So it's not that we're building some product that maybe somebody will know how to use in the future. We really use the product based on real applications and, and, and real needs uh, of our clients and our designers. So I would say these are kind of process oriented differences, but I guess there are other areas where we hope to be able to be better than the competition, especially than the large players, because the voice bot area is 
getting to be interesting for large players, for big tech companies like Microsoft, like Amazon, like IBM, like Google. And they're getting into this area uh, with their solutions. And obviously, you know, as the old adage says, nobody's ever been fired for choosing IBM. We obviously also have this situation that some of our clients might be in a situation of, you know, there is IBM and there is this little startup or, or Microsoft or Amazon, and there is this little startup, what can they bring to the table? And I believe we can bring a lot. Uh, even the NLU engine uh, that we have outperforms any of the other, of the big tech engines in terms of natural language understanding uh, by far. Uh, from the perspective of usability of the tool, what we found with, uh, uh, with our designers who are using both the uh, other, the, uh, you know, the big, big tech tools and, and other, our solutions, our solution is much more, much, is a much better fit for this fast paced iterative development, which is very typical for, uh, for voice bots. Voice bots have this specific that you don't see the application, you hear the application. So you just follow your path as you converse with the voice bot. You don't really know what's out there. So it's a, from software development perspective, it's a, it's a great material for very iterative or for very incremental development of new features in, 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 in development of the solution. And our tool is built this way to enable rapid implementation, very, very fast turnaround in terms of rolling out new functionalities and verifying that the old ones uh, are still okay. So uh, these are elements of the platform that we haven't seen with uh, with any of the competing solutions. And just to follow up on that, I understand it's with your team's involvement or without. So your end users, if they have the capacity, like like minimum viable capacity to implement new solutions and new new approaches to to the system on their site. They can do it by themselves, right? And that's your goal, basically, to exactly. have it as yes. autonomous as possible. And that's probably a game changer, basically. And as a, as a sum up here, no matter how complicated or sophisticated your tools or the solution that you're selling, very often, and this is your case, I understand, uh, good old listen to customer and resolve their pain points rather than sell your software is the key to success. Would you agree? Um, I believe so, although I think there, there must be a healthy balance uh, between you know listening to the customers and uh, and and coming up with your own um, ideas and your own improvements uh, for two reasons. One reason is you know we we don't want to turn into an agency that would just be implementing solutions for the clients because that would mean that we would need to do customizations to the platform and changes all the time just to satisfy the uh, you know needed um, needs of the of the clients that which might not necessarily be the uh, the optimal solutions so we also need to look from the product management perspective at the overall solution and sometimes we need to say okay we know some clients would like this but we believe that there is a better way of doing this we know this because we are specialists in terms of the uh, the the underlying mechanisms but also in terms of you know we working with a number of different industries with number of different companies number of different teams we kind of see patterns 
I guess, a little better than a, uh, a single uh, customer service manager uh, might be able to. But still, we listen to them very closely because we believe that ultimately, these are the people that will be using our products or are using our product right now. And, uh, and, and, and ultimately, they need to be satisfied with what they're getting. And with time, you might become a better expert of your client's business than themselves using this X-ray kind of, uh, you know, this uh, position of uh, X-raying different sectors, verticals and so on, and collecting all the critical mass of uh, data points for your new clients. That they think yes, exactly. Unique, so they, they might think they have unique solutions that you have already like collected from different similar businesses and so on. And that's your, of course, strong point. Um, and the more you develop the solution and the more clients you have, the more, uh, the more what universally effective you, you might become, right? Exactly. So there is, to some extent, we also have the network effects situation here that we, we are able to offer better and better solutions, even if only know-how at the beginning on our end, but ultimately also as a product, better and better solutions, just because we experience all those different situations and our algorithms are able to learn from all those different uh, flows and conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's um, round up this, um, this part of the conversation and move on. Yes, great, Pavel. Let's move on to round three. And this is a round of quick um, Q&A, questions and answers, okay? Try to answer as short as you can or as long as you can, but I will cut you off. Um, so first, let's start. Uh, definitely as a founder or co-founder of the business, um, you are, what, living a pretty hectic, dynamic life. What are your own, your personal productivity hacks? Not the tools, but rather like, you know, processes that you uh, adhere to or you try to repeat every day. So I'm in an in even worse position because I'm a CEO at two companies at the same time. So Taki is, is a spin-off from my software house where I'm still uh, a CEO and have been for the last 12 years. And uh, obviously that wouldn't be possible uh, without... Uh, relying on the people that surround me, relying on, uh, on my colleagues that, 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 that support all these different areas of the businesses. So I guess number one productivity hack is to surround yourself with people that you trust and people that you value and people that you can rely on so that you're not getting into any kind of micromanagement mode because that would probably kill me. Uh, so, so, so trusting the people around and giving them freedom to operate, giving them power and is certainly my forte. It's certainly the way I work with, uh, with the people um, that I'm privileged to lead. Did you get this answer from GPT-3 platform? Right now? Obviously, yes. Yes. Okay. So it sounds like a very, you know, well thought. Uh, I'm, I'm actually reading it from the screen. <laughs> wow. That's a very out of box, basically, uh, response. And again, a follow up question here. How do you, how do you recruit or how do you select, attract uh, people that you can trust fully and not to micromanage them and so on? Like wh what's your, again, like recruitment hacks, should I say? This is hard. I think this is the hardest thing at, 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 at doing business, uh, finding those people because the, the features 
of the people that I mentioned a minute ago. Um, they're not easy to find, and um, and uh, and then they are not easy to to they're not easy to observe or notice during you know an hour in long interview, right? So so obviously sometimes I do uh, mistakes here as well. Uh, first, I never. I'm never alone during the uh, the recruitment processes. I always have. So rule number one is the people that will be working with the uh, with the role that we're recruiting to um, need to be present during the interviews because in the end they will have their uh, you know most contact with each other and uh, and, and and daily uh, daily work will will have will happen there. Um, but we're also asking very open questions and we're looking for those little glitches uh, when, when interviewing people. Uh, are they transparent with their past? Are they very concrete with their answers? Uh, I think these are the things that we're, that we're looking for. We're also looking for people who have been there. Uh, we're looking for people who had similar experience in the past that doesn't need to be exactly the same experience, that, but they must have been in a similar situation. Taki is small enough at this point that people need to be able to wear a couple of hats and, uh, and be able to, you know, support each other, even if it's outside of their kind of, you know, job spec, right? Uh, so... So we're looking for people who are open to collaboration, open to supporting other people. Uh, and, and I think one of number one of the key points, open to feedback and willing to give feedback. Nobody knows how to build a business, a given business, right? There's always a new market, a new situation, new time, yeah, okay. new people. It's a very kind of, situation, very dynamic situation. So people need to be able to adapt. People need to be able to learn from each other and having this honesty to listen to feedback and learn from it, to be coachable. I would say these are the features that, that we are looking for. Okay, next one. What's the biggest challenge to growth of your company today? Don't think too much. Just Recruitment. Challenge. Ah, Recruitment. Yeah, so, we, so we covered that. Um, would you so you you mentioned that you are also a, a, what a founder owner of a software house? If you are a non-tech founder, would you approach a software house, or would you rather prefer to have an in-house uh, tech guy? If you're a non-tech founder, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a hard question. I would say try to be devil's you, advocate. <laughs> yes, I would say what. My teams at Pragmatists are doing is a marvelous job. And we have startups that are our clients and we've, we're working with them for many, many years, supporting their or building their core products. So from my experience, I would say, if you're only able to find a software house that's reliable and primarily reliable with quality, where you can align your goals with their goals, then go with software house because again, they have experience and they have teams 
that have been working together, experience they've been gathering for years and building a team from scratch doesn't happen overnight. At Taki, we, we had this privilege of starting with a team that has been working together at Pragmatist before on a different project. So we have found the unbelievable difference when a team is basically hitting the ground running and starts producing high quality, valuable software from day one, because they are long past the, uh, the, 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 the formation stage and, uh, and, and, and the beginning stages of, of team forming, they, they are at the performing stage of the team. So, and this might have, this might take half a year or a year to build a team at that point. So, so I would say go with a software house if you have one that's, that, that's trustworthy. Now, of course, you are in a privileged position. You don't have all these uh, trust issues and like big, uh, you know, performance uh, background and uh, all, all, the, all the rest. You just convert your experience from software house to your own, your own what, like byproducts, should I say, like, 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 like uh, corp up, you could say, in a way. Yeah, okay, let's spin off. Let, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Um, as a VC, why would you invest in your company today? Okay, for me, this is simple. Uh, we've got a great team, absolutely great team. Uh, both my founders, co-founders uh, are very strong. Add a, had a product, my co-founder, many years experience in very international environments. She has gone uh, through uh, many years of building very large products uh, for, for international clients and managing very large software teams uh, when building those products. Great experience, extremely open, extremely uh, collaborative, uh, just absolutely great person. Uh, Wojtek, our, our co-founder, a brilliant software developer, a, uh, a very ambitious uh, tech lead, um, great person uh, to have on board. Uh, I won't be talking much about myself. I guess my LinkedIn should say enough. Uh, really great people on the team. Had a marketing that has joined us recently. Uh, people from the conversation design, developers, uh, basically everybody that we have on board has gone through a pretty rigorous uh, recruitment process where we are really looking for people that will be able to scale with us. On the product side, uh, this product is probably one of the best in its domain in the world right now. And we're, we keep on hearing it from the clients that had a chance to compare. Um, and in the end, the actual business, obviously in the beginning, it's a little faster and a little easier to grow 700% uh, than later, but being able to do so in your life is not obvious. Being able to scale sales and scale project like this and being able to sell internationally. We right now have clients in the US, we have clients in the UK, uh, and we've just started going abroad. Uh, it, it, to me, these are very significant and very good indicators of future success. So team product and scalability of the 
uh, uh, like what opportunity to expand globally quick quick enough. Okay, uh, you mentioned the U.S. expansion. Um, what's right now? You have some experience with expansion there as well. What do you think is the best approach to enter U.S. market and grow there? So I'm 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 far from being an expert. Uh, certainly, my past experience selling software services to the US and now selling um, Taki as a product to the US, uh, certainly having local presence is of very high importance. It is to so hire much local easier. Person? Yes, it to is so much To hire somebody local or to delegate somebody from your- um, Hire somebody local, hire somebody okay. local. So okay. we're working with a local uh, business development person uh, we'll be growing the team, uh, so so absolutely being there is key. And it's somebody that who is your what employee, right? You could say. I mean, part of your team with your logo, business cards, and so on. Not a yes. outsourced contractor. Okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Pavel, let's move on then. Uh, we partially covered the next round, which is about the company. So you mentioned the founding team, you mentioned uh, the key employees as well. And I, said this, I understand the whole team is um, including the founders. It's around, around 20 people right now, right? Yes. And you are still mentioning that the recruitment is your biggest challenge right now. So what, what, what roles are burning right now for, for the team? Uh, we're growing the marketing team. Uh, we're looking for uh, for growing the sales team and, and have started to recruit for the head of sales position, global head of sales, somebody who will have the capacity and, and, and come with experience of, uh, of building international sales. We're obviously looking for technical uh, people, both on the AI side, as well as the regular development side. We're looking for people who could support our um, uh, voice bot configuration um, conversation design team. Uh, so basically we're growing in all the different you know, all the different areas uh, because we basically need, want, need and want to scale the company up. Uh, are all those roles office-based, remote-based, mixed? Is it uh, acceptable? What's your approach here? So all of them are remote. Uh, we do use offices in two locations in Poland uh, right now where we have the uh, kind of, you know, more of a congestion of people in, in Warsaw and Gdańsk. Uh, but, but in general, we are not looking for office um, workers. We're looking for people who might as well work remotely. This is not that important. What's important is those people, their attitude, how standalone they are, uh, yeah. you know, how reliable they are. While we're here, what tools are you using to project manage or to, 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 to manage remote uh, teams? What's the key tool? I mean, software. Yeah, there's a couple of things that we use. Uh, number one tool is for daily communication. We use Slack for this. Um, we use uh, ClickUp for, for managing client projects, client implementations. Uh, we use uh, Jira for um, backlog management, for, for product management. We use Miro a lot for many different things, for visualizing, for brainstorming, uh, for, um, for workshops. Uh, so Miro has also 
become an important uh, tool in our uh, tool belt. Um, I guess these are the key ones. Okay, great. Pavel, with this, we move on to the last, but not least um, important round five, which is formula F3, funding for the future. But before thinking about the future funding by now, I understand it's more or less, it's just below 1 million euro. Uh, and your seed round was closed with uh, LT Capital and Movements Capital, right? Last autumn, yes. autumn so, 2020. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and this is the seed round and moreover, Movens even I understand uh, stake the ground for, uh, for the, for the follow-up um, uh, investment as well, right? So much they like to Indeed. understand. What are your plans for the next yeah, round? Yeah, we have a very good when, relationship. <laughs> when, when do you plan to um, go into the market uh, with the next round? And Actually, we're starting right now. We're starting right now. I'm finalizing the financial model and other documents. Uh, and, and, and most probably uh, the upcoming Monday uh, will be kind of official uh, start of the fundraising. Uh, having said that, we already got a couple of very promising um, VCs asking for kind of uh, being able to be the first ones uh, to talk with us. So we're pretty optimistic. Uh, we had a chance over the last couple of months to talk to around 40 different VCs. Uh, so we, I guess, more or less understand what we're looking for, um, what, what those companies um, can offer to us, uh, but we're obviously open uh, to talk to uh, to others as well. What, from our perspective, is key at this point is ability to grow internationally and any experience, any support that the VCs would have, whether with their portfolio companies or ideally with the uh, kind of services that they could have uh, they by, by themselves uh, to support us with that will be driving our decision-making process here. Do you think you might get some early bird VC interest from international or overseas investors as well? We already have been talking to overseas investors as well. So, so we're hoping to have, uh, to have one. Uh, we probably will be looking for a co-investment uh, and I'm not talking about Movens, which is pretty obvious as a follow on, uh, but we're, I guess we're looking for uh, for for a co-investment of um, of a European and a US um, VC, if we find the uh, the right partners. Can you share some like general details about the round? Uh, your I don't know like valuation or or amounts you're expecting to raise and stuff like that. Whatever you can say. Of course, this should not be like, too precise. Sure. Obviously, valuations are are, are tricky. Uh, I'm not doing valuations of companies as my daily job. So, so I won't be commenting on that one. Uh, but we have a very good growth plan, a very detailed growth plan um, and very good understanding what we need versus our plans in terms of revenue growth. Uh, so we'll be looking at 5 million euro uh, as, as the investment at this point. Yes, and you count on this amount for how long to keep you going? We're looking for one and a half, two years. Okay, pretty aggressive growth planned, I understand. Mm, you know, as you said earlier, this area is getting crowded. 
it might yeah. happen that if we're not growing fast enough, there will be others that will. So, uh, you know, in the Silicon Valley, say go big or go home. From our perspective, I guess the market is ready for going big. Would you agree there's an oversupply of money in the US VC market, so to say, and undersupply of interesting ideas? And does it make sense for you to, um, you know, to switch your, your headquarters to the States, Delaware, whatever, so that you can try and tap on the financial markets in the, in the States? And then your 5M becomes 15, 20, you know, easy. Um... As a, as a point of discussion right now, of course. I'm this absolutely like, I'm, I'm absolutely far from being an expert on 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 uh, financial markets and VCs. Uh, obviously, I'm following what's happening, and uh, and the uh, and but but in the end, valuation is not the only thing that is important at this point. Uh, we want to be able to sustainably uh, grow the company and not, you know. Uh, build it too fast and lose the, uh, the the company culture, lose the quality, sacrifice other elements of the business just to be able to um, you know burn the, uh, the 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 capital that we would that we would raise. From our perspective, what's much more important is to have the right partners, the partners that would support our growth. And, uh, and I believe being uh, a European company, it's probably, at least at this stage of growth, it's probably going to be easier to still drive it from here. Yeah, fair enough. Pavel, last question. Um, I know this is very early and there's a still pre-A and so on, but what's your own exit plan for the company, if you have any? So at this point, I think it's a little early to say, especially that we don't know what will happen with the uh, voice web market longer term. Uh, probably two years from now, my, my idea would be clearer. But obviously, obviously, we take into account a couple of scenarios. Uh, we take into account the, the scenario of a regular acquisition, uh, the, the technology being uh, very interesting uh, to, uh, to companies from a similar area, from the center area, from, uh, from customer service area. There's plenty of very successful companies that lack the, uh, the AI part uh, or conversational AI um, aspect. Uh, so this might be a possible future. Uh, we're also not shying away from potentially acquiring and then raising money in the future for acquiring uh, businesses to supplement our product portfolio uh, with, uh, with other solutions. So at this point, hard to say, I would say as a CEO as of today, I'm probably not ready for IPO, uh, but, but it, you know, this is still pre-A, so we've got uh, you know, a long way ahead of us. Anyways, it shows the way of thinking you have right now for the company and uh, definitely have to focus on the product and development and expansion. Lots of interesting challenges. Pavel, that, that's been a great uh, chat, definitely. Thanks a lot and uh, wish all the best. Let's keep in touch in the meantime. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.